Welcome to On the Sofa with Victoria, where authors and industry insiders discuss the latest trends and themes in crime fiction. I'm Victoria Selman, author of the Zeba McKenzie series, and Truly Darkly Deeply, a novel which examines a serial killer's legacy through the eyes of his daughter. He's a monster, hated, reviled by everyone but you. Truly Darkly Deeply by Victoria Selman is a mind-blowing, unputdownable serial killer thriller of a very different kind, perfect for all fans of Mindhunter, Criminal Minds and Girl A. Out now in hardback, ebook and audiobook. Today I'm on the sofa with Peter James, crime fiction grandee and author of the internationally best-selling Roy Grace series, and Graham Bartlett, best-selling author of the Joe Howe series, and also both an ex-chief superintendent and a police consultant to both Peter and other authors, such as Mark Billingham, Ruth Ware, and Anthony Horowitz. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for joining me on the sofa. Thank you. Thank you very much. Peter, there are 21 books now in the Roy Grace series, aren't there? When when you started out, did you imagine for a moment it could have run that long? Never. I, I had a two-book deal. Um, my publishers asked me if I'd ever thought of creating a fictional detective as a central character, and they gave me a two-book contract, and I thought that would be it. And I, I decided to make Roy a little different by giving him a missing wife. And I thought I'd set a mystery up in Dead Simple, the first book, and I'd solve it and the second book mm-hmm. and when dead simple came out i was we were inundated with emails and, and letters of people speculating what might have happened to sandy his wife and i thought you know i could have some fun with this and mm. um, you know 14 books later she was still going strong isn't that I'd, brilliant I'd, I'd, get, I'd get emails from people saying dear mr james I, i've just worked out I'm a lot younger than you, and I'm probably a lot fitter, which means you're going to die before me. So I hope you've left the secret of what happens to Sandy. (laughs) Oh, golly. (laughs) Which, of course, begs the question, have you? (laughs) Is it hidden in a vault somewhere? Well, I will will let you in on a secret, and and you are the first to know this. Ah. I am writing at this moment, I'm halfway through it, a standalone called Sandy's Story. Oh, wow. That's wow, that's brilliant! The day she left her husband and was and drove to Gatwick Airport, where she left her car in the short-term car park. Wow! And if you can hear a groaning noise in the background, that is my dog, who is clearly very impressed and excited well, by this idea. I'm glad I've impressed somebody with you've that. Certainly, you've impressed oh. us as well. And what a clever idea! Because I was going to ask you. I mean, you know, twenty-one books. It's it's a lot of books to keep a character in a series fresh, of course. And what a clever way to to reinject. Um, some some spice, I suppose, in, into into a series. Thanks. It's, it's just to be correct. I'm writing the nineteenth book, but there are two. Kind of, there's a a couple of books that sort of qualify, sort of novellas that are also okay. Great, so, um, okay. But yes, and also it's funny you mentioned dog because the new Roy Grace, which is coming out in oh, September the twenty sixth, mm. is all about the world of puppy theft and illegal oh. puppy farming. 
Ah, well, maybe that was the real reason my dog was groaning. She has a secret uh, eye into your computer. You're you're a big believer in the supernatural, aren't you? I think I heard somebody say. So maybe there is a little bit of a dog ghost in there passing the information back to mine. Obviously, obviously. (laughs) And and my wife and I absolutely adore dogs. We are kind of big dog lovers. What dog do you have? We've got a golden doodle called Wally. uh, And a labradoodle, they're going to like this, called Spooky. Oh, that's very cute. Well, we have a golden retriever, so definitely the golden part is uh, one we approve of down here. <laughs> Graham's got a completely bonkers dog called Murphy. It's mental, absolutely mental. He runs the house. Of course, uh, as all the best dogs do, right? He's 12, he thinks he's two still. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. And he's not allowed to join this podcast because he'll take over. Well, so. I don't know. I think, you know, my dog is always in on the act somewhere along the uh, way. Okay. And yeah. how long have you guys? Well, we're on the subject of dogs. My wife and I decided quite a long time ago that we could never like anybody that didn't like dogs. Ah. And so what I, I'm, I'm tending to do now is my villains hate dogs. Yeah, well, it's, it's a good cue, isn't it, for readers? The other one I've heard people say is when you have a, a character that doesn't like books, is, is we're all readers and we love books, obviously, that's always a, cl- a clue, isn't it, that this is a bit of a dodgy character, possibly. Definitely. <laughs> someone, yes. someone to watch yes. out for. Yes. Um, and you guys, as, as I said in my opening, have, of course, worked really closely together, haven't you? Um, which which must have been great fun. I mean, I've heard some of Graham's stories, and of course, read a lot of yours, Peter, too, and it's must been... Neil, I first met Graham when he was... He'd just been promoted to uh, Chief Superintendent, Commander of Brighton and Hove. And my real-life Roy Grace, Dave Gaylor, who had helped me, and he'd been my kind of main contact at Sussex Police for, for for years, retired. And Graham very kindly took over, like, the mantle of being my key point person. And I remember not long after, uh, we got, we found ourselves, I think, about one in the morning, driving around the back streets of Shoreham Harbour and Southwick, looking for a place to dump a body in a car. And I thought, I can't <laughs> believe this. I'm here with a senior cop. A few problems there for you, Graham. I mean, straight away. <laughs> yes. It's very this would be a good place to leave the body if you didn't want to be caught, <laughs> said the police into the... When you are in charge of the police of a city like Brighton Hope and you're in a car with somebody that's asking you to find somewhere decent to 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 to, to throw a body off it's very conflicting you well know, i'm sure i'm sure it's it is. with that information yes well exactly <laughs> obviously a bit of trust had built up on your parts at this point but, but then then one day graham said to me he said you know when i eventually retire from the police i, I i'd really like to write uh and i thought oh my god here we go because probably once every two weeks, I get a copper somewhere in the UK saying, I'm, I'm retiring and I want to write a book. Could, oh, I, could really? I send it to you? Okay. And, and, and I invariably say, well, I say, well, just send me the first chapter and a synopsis. And I'll open it and it will be, well, I was proceeding in a westerly direction. When I was- <laughs> they they write in plod speak. Yes. You know, the way they're taking statements. And Graham said, I've, I've written a few essays. Would you, would you look at those? So I said, sure. Thinking. Here we go. Bloody hell. <laughs> I was blown away. I thought, well, wow, wow, this guy can really write. He really can. He re- like, I love a, your first book, Graham. Good, I, bad for good. Yeah. And and then we um cooperated together and we co-wrote uh, a, a non-fiction book about mm-hmm. villains in Brighton. We called it Police uh, Death Comes Knocking, Policing Roy Grace's Brighton. Nice. And that was such not just such fun, it was fascinating because Graham dug up one or two quite extraordinary villains who agreed to meet us, including a guy who bludgeoned to death his 
father, stepmother, 14-year-old brother and family dog. So when you say he agreed to meet you, should we not maybe say you agreed to meet him? <laughs> no, no, he I, I, actually, I just added him until he agreed to, to meet us. And we went, we, we had to drive up to somebody in Leeds and York, wasn't it? Yeah. This really ropey old pub that we... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this guy was out now. He wasn't even. I'm oh, no, 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 yeah, prison, yeah, is it? Yeah, but very, very, very strange. Well, you'd have to be strange to do that. I mean, making light of it, obviously, it's a huge tragedy. But very yes. odd individual. Yeah, was, well, odd, odd being the pop. understatement. Clearly, I mean, completely. Yeah, how yeah. did a guy like that ever get out? I mean, you'd think. Well, they do. You know, they get unless they get a full full life. It's you know, I think he did 23 years, uh, and then got recalled for going for I think for something with drugs right and the other person the other on the other characters that graham introduced him to a guy called dave henty has become in a slightly very slightly tweaked name the central character on my current roy grace novel picture you dead uh, he's, he's like one of the world's most famous art forgers isn't that brilliant uh, just uh yeah i tell you i love to inspire you know fiction i i base my books on a lot of true crime and i love the idea of rooting it in something real yeah and i was saying to paul burke who um of course does in person with paul um which is the other side of the crime time fm podcasts that there's something isn't there there's a hook when you know that there is that truth within what you write completely yeah and also i saw i saw something that I'll never, uh, it was a moment I'll never forget. This guy, David Henty, Graham, David Henty was basically, he'd become a big time passport forger. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, 3,000 passports, 1,000 quid a shot at the time of the Hong Kong handover. Nice little learner. He bought a house in the middle of Brighton. He was minting it. He had somebody binding, somebody printing, yeah, dispatching. One problem was he had, wasn't very good at spelling. <laughs> there were two spelling mistakes in the passport. <laughs> no. A Britannic Majesty spelt with one N, and Majesty with a with a G. <laughs> no, that's like giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, the head of the passport office said they were the best passport forgeries he'd ever seen. But isn't and that then, brilliant as a detail? I mean, to yeah. put it into a book. I mean, because you couldn't make it up, could you? So he's all there, 1997, happy days, and suddenly his front doors kicked in, and there's Graham. Four, four, four of Brighton's finest boys in blue, and hence is nicked, and he gets five years in jail. Learns to paint in jail, and discovers he's brilliant at copying Modigliani's, Picasso's, Lowry's, old masters. Anyway, he invites Dave Graham. Rang me in 2015 when working the book. He said, "So this is Kai Dave Henty that I nicked back in 1997. He's, he's invited us for lunch. You want to go?" <laughs> I said, "You bet." So we go to his house in in, in East of Brighton and sort in. And bearing in mind, he opens the door. Bearing in mind, last time he'd seen Graham, he kicked his front door in and basically fucked his life up for him. Right. Graham, mate, great to see you again. How are you doing? Isn't he said, that do funny? He said, do you remember Cliff Waite, what, 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 what was with us when you nicked us? And Graham goes, yeah. He said, well, he's in Belmarsh now. He's going to call us at 2 o'clock and say hi. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Why do you think, Graham? Why? I mean, you obviously well, have the insight into these guys. You know what? There, there's, there's this kind of, there's a very old kind of adage about, you know, cops and villains, and you know, all being in the same game, but different sides yeah. of the fence and a mutual respect. And he, he absolutely lives that. Um, but there's a, there's a postscript to that. I don't know if Peter knows this postscript actually. I might have told you, Peter, but um, 
a few years later, I was um, I was just trying to get some background detail for another non-fiction that Peter and I wrote called Babes in the Wood. And I went round to see David. I was on my own this time. And we sat out on his terrace, which overlooked a uh, place called Saltdean. Saltdean Vale. It's got a beautiful Victorian light, a lovely view. And the doorbell rings. And, and David, we're having a cup of tea. And David, oh, I'm not expecting anyone. Oh, I'll, I'll go and see who it is. So, so off he trots. And he comes back and he can barely breathe when he's coming back. He's absolutely killing himself laughing. And I said, what, what, what's, what's the matter? He said, you are not going to believe what I've just had to sign for. And he opens this envelope. And there's his passport. <laughs> said, no. With me in the back. I said, let, me, let me have a look at the spelling on that. Don't it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, you literally yeah. couldn't make it up, could you? You didn't tell me that. I love it. I love that too. So, Peter, when I said it, how do you keep a series fresh? Is this actually the answer? We all need a Graham. We all need a Graham you know, who has the contact who can invite us to dodgy lunches. <laughs> it's a very dodgy lunches. I, I do. I mean, I do get an awful lot from you know, people like from Graham and other other police officers as well. And not just in England. I've got friends with a number of cops in, in New York and, and quite a few other countries. And you, you get these stories. And, and, and I think the police tend to see things. So you think, you know what, you could make this up. No. You, no. you just, but even the circularity of the story you've just shown us, ending up with the envelope with the passport in it. I mean, that is a short story there for you, done. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, Graham, what was the one you were telling me when we went out for supper that night? That brilliant one about the FBI or something? Do you remember in an interview room? And was it you oh, and Peter yeah. were sitting in the back and you had to stay no, really no, no, still? No, it, it wasn't with Peter. I think Peter might have had a similar experience to this, but it was right. with a, a colleague called Paul Fennell, who Peter knows very well. And, uh, used to be the head of intelligence at Brighton. And we were over doing a visit looking at drugs courts in the States. And kind of long story short, we ended up being invited into an interview with um, with, with uh, for, for an attempted murder, for a shooting. Mm-hmm. And there was a, because the interview model's a bit different over there. So they had a, an assistant district attorney and a police officer interviewing. And no videos, no tape recording or anything like that. And they said to us, you can come and sit in, but you mustn't speak. And we went, all right, fair enough, got no, no, nothing really to add, you know, we're just observing. So yeah. you know, we, we sat at the back and we're, we're kind of in suits and ties and, uh, and, and they're, they're, they're in their, you know, sort of fairly sort of scruffy street gear. Uh, and they're, they're interviewing this, this lad who's been arrested for attempted murder. Uh, and um, they, every so often they keep saying, you know, you know, you've got to talk to us, otherwise there'll be other people. And, and, I, and I kind of realised that they were kind of flicking their eyes towards towards uh, Paul and I and and I I'm like what what's going on here and um this and and this lad's looking at us terrified and we're just so we're sort of stony faced <laughs> and then it, it dawns on us that actually they they've told him and they're making out that we're FBI uh and and if, if he doesn't admit to the shooting then he's going to hand us over to the feds and then that's a whole <laughs> heap of trouble that we're in and um, and that's why they didn't want us to talk in the interview. It wasn't about that's so you know, funny. So you, they planted you right from the beginning. They knew what game they were playing. And then um, and, and then we, we we came out and uh, and um, Paul Paul got took took it a bit more seriously than I did. He was, he was going, well, you know, what, what what's all that about? What's all that about? I said, Paul, I said, don't worry about it. We, there was no <laughs> there's no recording equipment, and we never said anything. If anything's on them, it's all on them. Yeah, but that was it. You know, and it was. You can get away with that in the UK. 
Would you not, though, do you think? I mean, just sort of, because they never said these are FBI. They just inferred. I mean, can you oh, not do that you, over here? You definitely have to account for everybody in the interview room. Oh, do you? Okay. You have to account for everybody watching the interview remotely as well. You can't just sort of have people rock up in the in, in the monitoring room. Oh, yeah, it's much more. And would you? I think I, mean, the, I, think, I think Graham would agree. With, I mean, I've, I've been out the police in many countries around the world, and I think mm. England is the most tight in terms of right. doing things by the book. And, and I mean, I've been um, in in LA. I, I, I wanted to see a gunshot wound, and they said, "Oh, we could take you to three different crime scenes right now." There's uh, four people shot dead in a drug raid that went wrong. You know, and almost anywhere else in the world, they're much more relaxed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, some of the, um, the the courses that I run, we have we have because they're online, we have international students on there, and a lot of them are from the states. And particularly on the interviewing course, when I, I get the sort of three principles of, of of interviewing in the UK, which is no threats, no promises, no lies, uh, and the, the the US the US students almost to a person go, sorry, can you say that bit again? <laughs> we do, we, no lies. You're not allowed to lie or threaten anybody in an interview. You go, no, 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 you're not, you're not. And they can't get their head around it because that's that really is kind of underpins all the And yet there's something, isn't there? I remember reading if you on the flip side, if you're if you're under interrogation by the FBI, if you lie, even if it's nothing to do with what you're being interrogated for, you can be imprisoned. Who was that scooter somebody? Um yeah, uh, I, think, I think you're right there. I think you know so, yeah. Lie to them, but they're not allowed to lie to the police. Yes, yes. We, we had some, I had something happen that would never happen in England. I was at a crime writing conference in a place called Sundeval in Sweden in about 2015 16 with Ellie Griffiths uh, and a, a Swedish, uh, Norwegian writer. I can't think of who it was. Anyhow, we were there at this conference and we got invited by the police. They said, we have an unsolved murder of a farmer who was found shot uh, about five years ago. Would you be willing to come and sit down and look through the crime scene photographs and see if you could and hear the story and see if you could, with your creative mind, throw wow. it? Wow. Wow. So that's something out of Castle. I don't know if that's something you watched. But of yeah, course it yeah. was. I mean, I, and my wife, Lara, came in too. And we we had, you know, the most gruesome crime scene photos. And we were, you know, told exactly what happened. And we were kind of throwing our kind of ideas in the hat. And did any of them stick? Did any of them come come to anything? No, the, the idea that I, I, I came up with, I, I've worked and I've used him in quite a few of my Roy Grace books, a guy called Hayden Kelly, who was a professor of podiatry, who was the pioneer of forensic gait analysis. Ah, I don't know what that is. Forensic gate like anyone's footprint. Mm-hmm. Oh, gate. Sorry, in my head, I'm I'm saying GAT. I mean, okay, now can, I get it. <laughs> you can take, pick your footprint, put it through yes. the software, and yes. pick you out walking down the street. Wow. And there were footprints outside the farmhouse in the snow. And I, I said, you should get this guy and analyze the footprints. Um, but I think the sus- chief suspect was living in Canada, and I think they didn't have the budget to do it. Wow, but that but was, was where your mind went, and maybe they well, had. I can't imagine you. police in England ever getting three crime writers to come and sit down and be yeah. sure all these. No, stuff. we would love it. I used to have a podcast actually, way way back when. It was called Crime Girl Gang. It was really good fun, and we inverted commas fictionally solved dead cold true crime cases. So exactly that, with a sort of crime writer's hat on, would sort of reevaluate the cases. And I often wondered how close we'd ever really come to the truth, because I mean, we'll never know, will we? <laughs> nice to think maybe we somehow hit the mark. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish yes. Osman did this, I think, didn't he? <laughs> did he? 
Conan Doyle did, of course, as well. I mean, remember when Agatha went missing? He was called in, wasn't he, to help out with the search? Yes, yes, I've forgotten that. That's quite right. Yeah, there there is. The other story... Sorry, go on. I'd be terrible. You wouldn't. You'd be brilliant. You're an ex-copper as well. You have the advantage. But what I am terrible at, I'm terrible at at, at guessing who done it in, in fiction. I really am, because... I'm used to kind of following an evidential trail and yeah. and kind of A, A to B to C to D and, and yeah. you know, bring it all together. And of course, as crime writers, we yeah. deliberately hide all that sort of stuff, don't we? We we you know we don't we don't lay it all out neatly. We don't have the the the, the phone you know the, the phone data matching with the forensics, matching with the, the CCTV with the witness. That's interesting. That's what I rely on. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm good at tying all that together, but yes, of course, as crime writers, we don't want our readers to guess it, and I'm. I, I'm that reader that would never guess it. I, I, I'm, I'm the same. I'm useless at these murder mystery evenings. Completely yeah. useless. Are I'm you? Really, I just thought you'd be. I want to sit written. at your table, Peter, because you'll get it. I, I, no, I, I get. It. I always get it wrong. Why but, is that? Uh, I, I mean, you're surely the opposite of Graham. I mean, you're used to scattering the clues in the wrong, you know, misdirecting, presumably. I did get paid a great compliment. I, was, I, my last stage play was on on tour and i sometimes go on stage at the end and do a q a with the cast that's fun uh, and i was sitting there with um there's a couple of i think it was shane ritchie and and um a couple of others of the cast and somebody in the audience quite bolshy bloke he said why do you always make the end of your story so hard to guess <laughs> kind of the point <laughs> isn't that the point yes <laughs> And talking about stage plays, of course, you've got one coming to Brighton very soon, haven't you, Peter? Yes, I've got I Wish You Were Dead, which is my sixth um, stage play. It's a, it's Sorry, a, you said that in a certain way looking at me, and I got a bit worried for that split second. Wish you were dead. Dead. <laughs> Victoria, I do not like this line of questioning. <laughs> it's a, it's touring, starts touring, and it's all over England, starting in Bromley on about February the 10th, and mm-hmm. it's... And it's the Roy Grace. It's got George Rainsford from Casualty in it, and Giovanna Fletcher and Clive Mantle. And it's basically the story of uh, Roy Grace takes his family to a hotel in France, which which I think is going to be their idyllic holiday for a a week's break. And it turns out, without giving too much away, uh, it's going to be the holiday from hell. Ah. Um, and it's actually cool. a hotel that Laura and I stayed in in 2018, just south of Paris, where we actually thought we were going to get murdered. Oh, really? So once again, <laughs> tapping into reality. But yes, doesn't that yes. lend itself, the idea, doesn't it, very well to a stage play? Because you've got that sort of closed circle, which yeah, is they're confined in this one in this one yes. area. So that'll be in Brighton the week of March the 20th. Um, ah, so shortly before. So listeners, you, you might like to hear this as well. We we three plus two more. So with Simon Toyne and uh, William Shaw, Peter, uh, Graham and I will be bringing on the sofa to uh, a roadshow event in Brighton. Uh, Graham, where remind me, <laughs> it's the Playhouse, isn't it? Graham has been it's, sorting it's, out the venue. The, which is the, the Friends Meeting House. The Friends uh, Meeting House. That's which right. is um, right smack bang in the centre of Brighton, ne- literally opposite goals for books. So yes. Uh, that's where um, hopefully we'll be selling and signing lots of books. But um, yeah, we're all we're, we're going to do this for real for live. We great. absolutely are, and I, I can't. I love, wait. I, love those, I love those two guys. I think Graham, uh, sorry, uh, William Shaw and, and Simon Toyne are great writers, and they're, they're yes. really good fun people as well. I love them. Yes, I think we're going to have a great time. I, I can't wait to, to quality, bring it to life. quality evening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
we will um i will in the show notes put a link of course to where people can buy tickets to that as well so uh listen yeah, if you go on my website there's a link to 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 the to the to the, to the stage um ticket right, well we'll put that in the show notes too peter so we'll put in the show Thank notes you. link to the stage play details and also to the roadshow events so anyone Brilliant. who wants to to take part in either of those be lovely to, to have you guys yeah. all along um so and if you guys there. if you want to underground i'll get tickets or if you'd like Fancy tickets, Red. I'll be happy to get you tickets. I've already, I'm already down for the charity event, so I'll be there as usual on that. Uh, on that. Sounds, sounds absolutely. Where about are you in London? Are you in? I'm, um, I'm in central London. So, um, it'll be probably at Richmond, I would think. And ah, oh, okay. Well, I shall fancy it. Let me know, and I'll, I'll happily get you tickets. Oh well, that's very kind. I very much fancy it. So, thank you so much. Great. Um, guys, let's wind up with, I mean, I could ask you a million stories, but I think we'd probably better save some of them for our roadshow event. Um, and I know that there are a number of very cool ones up your sleeve. So let's let's definitely save those. But um, my desert island, not discs question. And we're going a little bit dark on this one, because in this uh, desert island, not discs, you have been murdered, gentlemen, on a remote desert island. Which fictional detective would you like to solve your murder? And why? <laughs> And you can't say Roy Grace because that's. I was going to say, am I allowed to say Roy Grace? No, no, you're not. not. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go for uh, Washington Poe. Ah. Uh, Mike Craven's Washington Poe and his sidekick, Tilly Bradshaw, because. He's great, isn't he? Uh, they are both amazing. And Tilly Bradshaw will apply her infinite, infinitely uh, complex and, and talented brain to it. And Washington Poe will kick any doors in that need kicking in. So I think. I think as a pair, I, I'm, I'm a, presumably I'm allowed to have them as a pair because they are. I think you can, although I was wondering what doors would have on the desert island. But I think a, a well, door, there, there'll be something for him to kick down. There'll be something, won't there? A coconut tree or something. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're a great choice. I, 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 sheer doggedness. I think, I think both of them are great creations. Yeah. How about you, Peter? Who would you choose? Well, I have always joked that if I was ever unfortunate enough to have a family member murdered Roy Grace is the detective I want solving it but as I can't have him sorry <laughs> I I do you know a, a character I really have always admired is Rebus and I love his doggedness yes so again I, it's I, the doggedness I, I, isn't it I, the murdered, I want to make sure the murderer gets caught yes uh, yes uh, so I want somebody who's not going to give up yeah. Yes, I think and, and not going to give up even if he's retired. As and, and I love the way that Rebus just carries on, doesn't give a fuck about retirement. He, he's just going to get get the, the job done. Things. And so, I put my faith there. Good choices, <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming on board, and can't wait to chat with you more on the roadshow. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. You've been listening to On the Sofa with Victoria on Crimetime FM. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate and review on iTunes and join in the chat on Twitter using the hashtag On the Sofa with Victoria or drop me a line at Victoria Selman. I'd love to hear from you and hope you'll join me next time. Mm-hmm.